Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 24, how Rebecca had a covering on when she met Isaac, and it shows how we have a covering for sin when we come before God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Tom Cantor wants to encourage you to pray for our upcoming Summer Blitz, where we go out and reach lost Jewish people throughout the United States and Canada. We're sending out 108 missionaries. We'd like to send out 110. We need your support for this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism. Call us to support us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, and send out the gospel to the lost Jewish people of this nation and world through Israel Restoration Ministries. Go to israelrestoration.org for more information. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on friendship with God. So, when we got this fixed in our mind of a person falling off a roof, you know, it's like, oh, no, you know, he falls off the roof, or a person who, 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 who has been struck by a sword and falls down. And so, you know, we got this in our mind, and we understand this is, this is the word that's describing how Rebecca got off the camel, and it's telling us she didn't get off the camel gracefully. It's, it's telling us that Rebecca threw herself off the camel. She falled off that camel like she was falling off a roof or she'd been hit by a sword. She sprang quickly off of that camel. She, she, she like catapulted off that camel. And, and Rebecca, she, she, she falled off that camel like a person falling from a sword or a person falling off a roof by accident. She threw herself off the camel. Now, God thinks that's very important for us to see. And and, and so he he plugged in that word, nafal, to describe how Rebecca was getting off that camel. So so we need to see that. We need to to really ask the question, what does that mean? See, by describing to us in verse 64 the the, the typically fast, energetic Rebecca, nafaled off that camel, is telling us something very important about Rebecca. See, why did God take the time to tell us this and plug this word in in verse 64, describe this kind of violent way, so to speak, that she gets off the camel? Because he wants us to see something about Rebecca. See, the best way to understand why Rebecca Nifal threw herself off that camel is to describe the opposite. Let's say that Rebecca didn't get off that camel and she stayed on there. Let's say that that she just stayed on the camel when Isaac came out. So let's use an illustration to make clear what the kind of person that Rebecca was not. So here's Rebecca. She's still on the camel. And and now this would be in keeping with with what Rebecca might say when Isaac arrives. She might say, why didn't you come and get me yourself? You know, why did you send this, 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 this servant to come and get me. Aren't I good enough for you to trouble yourself to come and get me? I mean, why didn't you at least come one day journey out to meet me? I mean, why do you make me do all this journey alone with these disgusting servants of yours? <laughs> so, you know, and she stayed on the camel. That's what she, you know, be in keeping if she would have said, you know, she, she might have said, oh, has this been a rough trip? She goes, I says, it's just the heat, the dust, all the dirty desert dwellers we had to encounter on the way. And you know, what have you brought me to? You know, she said, that would have been staying on the camel, see? If she stayed on the camel, she might have said, I'm so homesick. Uh, you know, I can't believe I agreed to leave my family and people and home. For what? So to live in a tent? You know, to, I had a house to live in back home, not a tent. I was expecting so much more. Is this really it? I want to go back home. Now, 
if Rebecca stayed on that camel and, and, and made those statements, what kind of attitudes would she have had? Tell me, what kind of attitudes did I just reflect if Rebecca had said that? Okay, complaining, ingratitude, good. Complaining, ingratitude, what else? Selfish, unthankful, what else? It's something that happens to your food when you leave it in the refrigerator too long. Spoiled, <laughs> spoiled, rotten. <laughs> and what else? Swollen up with pride, arrogant, stuck up, conceited, intoxicated with what? Herself, her own self-importance, snobbish. That'd be her. So what's the opposite of all those things? What's the opposite of ungrateful, unappreciative, and unthankful? It's really a pretty easy question. <laughs> Grateful. <laughs> what's the opposite of unappreciative? It's really easy. Appreciative, right? <laughs> what's the opposite of unthankful? Thankful. Very good. Okay. See, what's the opposite of spoiled, arrogant, proud, stuck-up, snobbish, conceited? Well, no. <laughs> what's the opposite of pride? Humble, humility, humble, meek. See, the message that Rebecca would send of not being grateful, appreciative, thankful, of being proud, all came down to whether or not she stayed on that camel or not. And she saw that, and she wanted to send a clear message that she was grateful, she was appreciative, she was thankful, she was humble, she was meek. So she sprang off that camel. She threw herself off that camel because she knew it all came down to that. And so now we see that Rebecca now, in verse 65, she's asking a question. And for she had said unto the servant, what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? See, we, we see her. She's asking a question. What man is this? See, in that question, we can see how she, she's been anticipating seeing Isaac. And we can imagine how she might ask that question all along the way, you know, as their trip is, what man is this? Because she's looking forward to, to meeting Isaac. And every time she said, what man is this? She was hoping that the answer is going to be, well, that's him. That's my, my master. That's Isaac right there. Freeze that picture in your mind. Freeze that picture in your mind. What man is this? Because that's a picture for us when we go to heaven. That's the picture that Fanny Crosby painted when, when she wrote that hymn, My Savior, first of all. When she said, oh, the dear ones in glory, how they beckon me to come, our parting at the river, I recall, to the sweet vales of Eden, they will sing my welcome home, but I long to meet my Savior, first of all. Through the gates of the city in a robe of spotless white, not bad. He will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages, I shall mingle with delight, but I long to meet my Savior, first of all. See? Do I, do I, do, do, did she want to? Do I want to? Do you want to see the dear ones in glory who's parting at the river you recall? Yes, but we long to see our Savior, first of all. See? Do we want to go to the gates of the city and, 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 be, and, and have this robe of spotless white and be in a place where no tears will ever fall and, 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 and mingle with the light? Yes, of course, but we long to see our Savior, first of all. See, what did Rebecca's question in verse 65, what man is this, tell us about Rebecca? Did she want to see the new land that, she, that would be her new home country and the tent where she was going to live in and meet her new family? Yes, but she longed to see her Isaac, first of all. So by these two statements about Rebecca, 
where she, she throws herself off the camel and she asks, what man is this? We're seeing Rebecca that's going to be a submissive and an obedient wife for Isaac, just as it says in Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, in Colossians 3.18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. 1 Peter 3.1, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Titus 3, 4 through 5, young women should learn to be obedient to their own husbands. So we see from Rebecca throwing herself off the camel in her question, she's an example of a submissive and obedient wife. Now, in verse 65, we ask the question, well, what's Isaac doing when he sees the camels coming? What's he doing? What do we see Isaac doing? It says it in verse 65. You have to look at your Bible to see it. What? He's walking up to meet her. Jerry's got it. He's walking up to meet her. It said Isaac is walking in the field to meet them. See, what's that? that tells us something about Isaac. See, remember we talked about how, how Rebecca, if she didn't get off the camel, she would have said, well, it's about time. This is such a lousy place. I wish I was back home. No, she didn't have that attitude. But the attitude that Isaac has is that let's do the same illustration that we did with Rebecca. Let's do the same illustration and imagine what attitude Isaac might have had if he did not walk in the field to meet them. If Isaac didn't walk in the field to meet the Rebecca, then Isaac might have just sat there and said, you know, I'm a man. I don't walk for any woman. I don't kowtow to any woman. I don't, I don't get taught by any woman. I, I'm, I'm not about to make a fool out of myself by losing my head for any woman to go meet her. A woman's supposed to serve man, not man to serve the woman. Let her come to me. She needs to learn from the start who's the boss here and who's going to serve who. She's got to be trained well from the start. I'm not going to go serve any woman. Now, if Isaac did not go out to meet Rebecca and made those kind of statements, what kind of attitudes would Isaac have had? Selfish, arrogant, what? Proud, and if it's been in the refrigerator too long, spoiled, swollen with pride stuck up, snobbish, intoxicated with his own self-importance, with the same bad attitudes that Rebecca would have had if she didn't get off that camel. So again, what's the opposite of all this? Ungrateful and unappreciative and unthankfulness? Grateful, appreciative, thankful. What's the opposite of that spoiled attitude, arrogant, proud, stuck up, snobbish, conceited, humble, meek? See, the message Isaac would send of, of whether or not a being or not being grateful, appreciative, thankful, humble, and meek, it all came down to whether or not he's going to get up and go and walk to meet Rebecca. And so Isaac wanted to so send such a clear message, like Rebecca wanted to send so such a clear message, she catapults herself off the camel. And so Isaac, he just starts walking when he meets her. And we put the two together. Now we've got Rebecca's message of obedience and submission, throwing herself off the camel. Isaac's message of love and service and walking in the field to meet Rebecca. We see a picture, beautiful picture of what is the ideal husband-wife relationship described for us in Ephesians 5, 24 through 25. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. See, it is this wife submitting herself and obeying her husband, and it is this husband loving and sacrificing himself for his wife that makes for a peace and a harmony and especially a unity in the home. 
And when God sees that unity in the home, he says the same thing he says in in Psalm 133. He says, "Mm, can't believe it. Behold, everybody see that down there, that, that home, how good and how pleasant it is for them to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment on the beard that, that, that ran down from the, upon the beard and even Aaron's beard into the skirts down, the, down the, of his garments. It's, the, it's like the dew of Hermon, the dew that descended from the mountains of Zion. And then he says, for there, there, that place, the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore. God sees the wife submitting herself and obeying the husband. God sees the husband loving and sacrificing himself for his wife. And he says, this is so good and pleasant. He says, now, he says, he said, I, I, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna command the blessing. A special blessing, I'm gonna command the blessing. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just a moment here on Friendship with God. We want to encourage you, as we mentioned at the start of our program, to support Israel Restoration Ministries. Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. Being a saved Jewish person, he wants to reach other lost Jewish people just as the Lord Jesus Christ wants to reach his lost Jewish brethren. We're doing that with a campaign this summer of going and reaching in 14 different U.S. and Canadian cities lost Jewish people. We've got 108 missionaries going out. We need support for 110. Would you please send in your support? You can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org to support Jewish evangelism or call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051 and support the gospel going to lost Jewish people. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Now, we see something in verse 65, what Rebecca does next. It says, for she, she, she found out that it's the servant, that, that it's the master. And, and, and it says, therefore, she took a veil and covered herself. Now, here we see that as soon as Rebecca learns it's Isaac, she takes a veil and she covers herself. And, 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 it's, it's, and now, I don't know what you think of when you read this. You know, do you, remember you, we got to the point where did Rebecca just sort of gingerly and gracefully get off the camel? No, she catapulted herself off. So here we have she's putting a veil. So now the same question. Does she sort of, you know, very ladylike, does she take one of those beautiful scarves and just sort of wrap it around herself in just the perfect way, you know? Is that what she does? So this is interesting because the word is kasa. It's used to describe how she put this uh, veil on. And, and what she did, when it says she covered herself, she covered herself, the word kasat. And now that's used, that same word is used to describe how Tamar covered herself with a veil to make herself so unknown to her father-in-law. Well, listen along, Genesis 38, 13 through 15. It was told Tamar that, behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off her and covered her, kasa with a veil wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is, by the way, Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given unto him for wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot, because she had covered her, her face. She had kasah, covered her face. See, when Tamar kasah covered her face with a veil, her identity was so hidden that Judah thought she was a harlot. And because Tamar's face was so effectively kasah, hidden, Judah has no idea that this is his daughter-in-law that he thinks is a harlot, and, 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 and it describes how effective the kasa covering hiding was. It, it, it describes a complete hiding. He ends up making a baby with her. Doesn't even know it's his daughter-in-law. 
It's, it's interesting, the same word kasah is, is used in, in Proverbs 28, 13, where it says, he that covereth kasah, his sins, shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaken them shall have mercy. When a person refuses to confess, refuses to forsake his sin, he's like taking a veil and wrapping them up so effectively as to make them totally unrecognizable, totally unseen. This shows us that, that there's a time when we should not kasah. We should not cover our sins. See, our deceitful heart says to us, you know, about our sins, it's not so bad. I mean, you know, lots of people do that. I mean, just cover it up. Who's going to know? Move on in life. And if we do that, it's a sure way to not go on with God, to not move on with God. See, to come to a dead stop, as the Bible puts it, to not prosper. So the word kasah is used to describe what we should not cover, which is our own sins. There's an account in Scripture that illustrates the kasah covering of sin and the uncovering of sin, and that apart was when Saul was told that, that when he goes and conquers the Amalekites, he should kill all the animals. And so in 1 Samuel 15, where the account is, in verse 13 through 14, Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. He's very spiritual. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And, and that's what he said. And, and Samuel says, well, that sounds very good. But Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the ox which I hear? He says, you know, there's something wrong with my hearing. And, and then after Samuel told Saul in, in, uh, in verse 23 of 1 Samuel 15, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also hath rejected thee from being king. As to Samuel, in the next verse, Saul said unto Samuel, I've sinned. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So see, when he's confronted, he, he sort of transitions from covering to not uncovering his sin. Now, now what's, the, what's the first covering of sin in the Bible? It was Adam, right? Right. It, it said, and, see, and, and, and you know who identified that especially was Job. Job did in Job 31, 33. He said, if I have covered, kasa my transgression, transgressions as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom. That's what he was saying. So, so what do we read in, in, in Genesis 3, 7, 3? The eyes of them both were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. See, this is what we see here. See, they, they hid themselves. They, 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 they hid themselves. And then what happened? Then God had to come to Adam and say, you know, well, what, what, uh, what goes here? And he says, it's not me, it's my wife. And she just, she, she's the problem. She's everything. More hiding. Now, what's the second covering of sin in the Bible? Second instance of man covering his own sin in the Bible. That's right. That's when Cain killed Abel, right? And Cain killed Abel. And so then what happens? So, so, the, the, so he kills Abel. And then, and then in Genesis 4, the next chapter, in 4 and verse 9 and 10, the, the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I don't know. I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? No, you're, you're your brother's brother. But anyway, he says, I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, and then the Lord said, and what hast thou done? 
The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. See, when he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper, it shows us how we have this propensity to want to cover our sins and just think we can get away with it. We think God's stupid. You know? When we, when we kasa, cover our sins, we do what it says in, in, in 1 John 1.10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word's not in us. If we kasa, cover our sins, and say we haven't sinned, we make him a liar. When did David try to cover his sin? With Bathsheba. Right, David tried to cover his sin when he just kind of went on in life and never, never acknowledged it, never named it, never repented for it. And then there was something that happened to David, and he describes it in Psalm 32. He describes it in Psalm 32, verses 4 through 6, where he says, For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Well, just, just stop a little bit. Think about that. For I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity. Have I not hid? I did not kassah. I said, I'll confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Think about that a little bit. To cover is going to have, it's going to feel God's heavy, heavy hand, day and night, like an intolerable weight of guilt and shame. Selah. Stop and think about that. I feel it's to, it's to feel a dryness in the spirit, no joy, no happiness, no receiving from God, deadness in the spirit. Selah, think about that. He looked at himself and he saw, my happiness is dried up. I'm like a moisture. I'm like the moisture in the plants as it's gone into the summer and the desert. You know, I feel like a tumbleweed in the desert. But it all changes in verse 5 with the words, mine iniquity have I not hid. Kassah. I didn't kassah my iniquity anymore. It all changed when he stopped kassahing and hiding his sin. He stops this kassah. He stops this hiding his sin. And then he says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin unto you. I called it what it is, sin. Mine iniquity have I not hid. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And then it all changed. And he says, Selah, think about that. So the Bible tells us that there is a time when we should not kassah. We should not cover a sin when our sin. But the Bible also tells us that there is a time when we should cover a sin. When is that? When should, sins, when should we cover sin? Right, right. And that's quoting from Proverbs. And so as it says in Proverbs 17.9, He that covereth, kasah, a transgression, seeketh love. But he that repeateth the matter, separateth very friends. See what that's talking about? Kasah is not to repeat. He that gossips, a matter. It separates very fence. Kassah is not to gossip. See Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth. Kassah, all sins. See, God wants us honest. He wants us transparent. Therefore, we are not to cover or kassah our own sin. But God wants us to be loving. Therefore, we are to kassah the sins of others. Honesty and transparency does not cover our own sins. Love covers the sins of others. The difference between when we cover and do not cover is all tied up in that word, his, he that covers, he that kasah, his sins shall not prosper. Now, when we kasah or we cover the sins of others, then we're like God, because it's exactly what God does with us. He covers our sins. See, we just considered what happened to David when he tried to cover his sins in Psalm 32, 3 and through 5, But the first two verses above that, 
Psalm 32, 1 and 2 start off by saying, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is kasa, covered. Blessed is the man unto the Lord, Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there's no guile. And today we see the Jewish people. What, how do we see the Jewish people today? Rejecting their Messiah. God says in, in, about them in Psalm 85, 1 through 2, he says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land, Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven their iniquity. Thou kasa, thou coverest all their sin. Selah, he says, think about that. So there's a day coming when for the Jewish people will be brought, will be brought back and God is going to kasa, cover all their sin. See, God's in that business. He's in the business of covering. He's in the business of kasa when it comes to sin. Just as Rebecca kasa, she covered herself in this very complete way with this veil to hide herself. So God covers our sin under the veil, under the veil of the blood of Christ. See, in Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you are sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. Another tremendous message here from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. For more information and free resources and free downloads of these messages, you can go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go to our bookstore that's there at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go to israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, to support Jewish evangelism through our upcoming Summer Blitz campaign to take the gospel to 14 U.S. and Canadian Jewish cities with over 100 missionaries. We'd like your financial support to be able to send out more missionaries for this campaign. Call us with your support of any amount at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Help us get the gospel to lost Israel here in the U.S. and Canada and around the world. For more information, go to israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, or 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org.